Hello everyone and welcome to Second Features. For this month's podcast we are looking at a really fascinating Polish film from the 1980s called Sex Mission Uh, and we have a very special guest on to talk about the film but uh, I'll allow Adrian to uh, get to that in a second. Before before, uh, we do I just wanted to ask you Adrian, um, you've wanted to do this film since we started the podcast like that's always been uh uppermost <laughs> on your list we've got to do sex mission um so uh what is it about this film uh, that you kind of you really sort of are obsessed by what fascinates you about um, it why this one it's fun i don't know um it's the film i've probably been the most fascinated by since because it well, i mean well, okay jumping ahead here but this was shown on Channel 4 in 1991 on, a, on an evening and I would have been 15 and I was on holiday in a caravan park somewhere near Western Supermare uh, <laughs> with my my mum and my sister. I don't know why I laughed I at that. I know. <laughs> it just sounds funny. It's like a very British it's, thing. It is. Oh, it was very British. There was There was cabaret... There was kids clubs, all of that. It was like a low budget Butlins. Um, and yeah, so my so I have memories of this being on and me seeing the trailer for it on the television in the caravan during the day and um, thinking I've got to see this film. But at the same time, the evenings at these places are spent basically running between the disco and other people's caravans uh, with my friend who I'd made on the holiday. So I was trying to watch bits of the movie in different caravans as I <laughs> ran around the campsite. So that's so my memory of it is trying to watch this film, but being constantly interrupted by being on holiday. So I've got very specific memories of particular scenes, which I'll get into later, including the ending. And um, then for years later, just being thinking, what was that that I saw? What did I see? And wanting to explore it a bit more. And it wasn't until last year that I finally got to see the film in its entirety. to see it in its entirety what was your reaction so um i was very pleased at how good it was okay basically. that's interesting so, yeah I, <laughs> I enjoyed it very much so yes yeah, so i've been interested in this film for a long time and it wasn't very easy to see mm. so every few years like to begin with i couldn't i thought i'd remembered the name but i was obviously very nervous to google sex mission 
because yeah, I would, you know, uh, especially on a work computer. Yeah. So, um, so every so every few years, I would ser- do a search for it online, and it would be available on some Polish VHS that you had to spend a fortune on trying to get hold of, and and it was just very difficult to to get hold of. I mean, we'll be, but in Poland, it was it's a huge cult film. Mm. So we'll be we'll so to our guest today is the Polish film scholar Michal Aleszczyk, who is a teacher at the University of Warsaw and a film writer, and he will hopefully give us the story from the Polish perspective. But for me, it was this film that I caught this glimpse of as a teenager and been kind of hooked on it and just wanted to know more. And it took years and years and years until eventually I discovered that it had been shown at a film festival a couple of years ago. I think it was in Prague. And that Studio Cada, who is the the kind of state, um, I'm not sure if state is the right word now because they're not communist mm. anymore, but the official film studios in, in they seem to run and control all Polish film called Studio Cada. And they have done a full restoration of a lot of films in their archive, including this one. So there was this brand new restoration with English subtitles now available and put out on Blu-ray by Studio Cada. Okay, so cool. obviously once I found this out, that was it. So yeah. I was finally, finally able to piece those random images that I had from the film together. And I was it was interesting how much of the plot I'd remembered wrong. Well, um, if you're only getting fragments, I imagine yeah. with this film particularly, that is kind of, I mean, it's just so, so weird. Uh, so it's a sex comedy. Um, so mm. it's the second sex comedy that we've done on this podcast. The first one was Eskimo Nell for our I second know. episode. Um, so I'm, it's I'm a... going to get a reputation. I know this is. Well, I'm you do keep tr- suggesting them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I was more. I think although the title is obviously suggests that this is a sex comedy, I would argue that it's more of a science fiction satire that just happens to have some. Nudity well, I mean, that's a kind of a theme with the sex comedies that I've watched yeah. as a result of you suggesting that I watch them, Adrian. And that they tend not to be about sex. They tend mm-hmm. to be about something else, using that as a cover. And mm. um, yeah, I think this is kind of the case here. Uh, mm. I watched it for the first time uh, before kind of recording this. I had never seen it before. Uh, as you've said, it's quite difficult to get hold of. Mm. Um, so the film is about these two Polish scientists who travel, who are kind of put into hibernation in, um, what, 1991? So the film yeah. is kind of set in 1991. Um, it was made in 1985, so still when kind of Poland is under communism, uh, but set in 1991. And these two scientists are put, this, are put into hibernation and they're meant to be awoken three years later, but instead they end up being awoken in like 2044 and they realise after they wake up that something has happened to remove all men from society. Society is now run by women, it's a matriarchy. And, um, you know, they have to kind of deal with that. I won't give away too many spoilers at this point. Mm. Um, So it's a pretty fantastical plot, but buried under, I mean, not even buried under there. (laughs) There's a kind of um, satire of communism uh, and of the state, which is kind of, I mean, it's kind of fascinating that it was released in the first place. And this kind of passed, what, not unnoticed, but not as... um, noticed as you might have thought like it was given a release <laughs> yeah it's one of those great examples that we we see all the way through um film history really of science fiction being used really effectively to comment on current 
politics or world events or or you know whatever um and here yeah it's kind of amazing that they were able to make an anti-authoritarian satire in communist poland and completely get away with it and i've been reading a little bit about the film what what information there is out there would suggest that it, it, it part they, they had to get their scripts approved and it was all approved and it was all fine the only place where the film really got censored after it was made was in russia um where they cut about 40 minutes out mm. of the film they, I, I was reading about that like they cut all the sex bits out <laughs> yeah and it's a sex film I know. well <laughs> i mean really that they if the russians would were cutting the wrong bit out because really what they wanted to be cutting out was all the stuff about how terrible communism is yeah um because that's really where the thing is although so the film like you said it's a sort of this matriarchy and some critics of the film and we, we'll look at some reviews later but some critics have said that this is an anti-feminist film that it's some kind of um fear of what would happen if we let women be in charge but the director always argued that that was not anything to do with it, that it was definitely about communism and about authoritarianism. It's not about how terrible it would be if women were in charge. There is a lot um, of that, though. Um, like, it does seem it does seem to be an anti-feminist film. Yeah. Like, well, looking that's... At, I mean, I look at things in context, so I'm, I don't <laughs> find the, the film from 1985 about, you know, I don't find the sex comedy from 1985 massively offensive because it's a sex comedy from 1985. Um, but there is a sort of, yeah, the sort of the gender comedy aspect of it, mm. uh, I guess was quite, was read badly at the time, I think, as well, because, yeah, I read a review for, I think, Monthly Film Bulletin where they were like, um, yeah, this yeah. is a bit. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Time Out described it as extremely misogynistic. Um, I mean, I would argue, perhaps incorrectly, and I, I'm treading on eggshells possibly here, but for me, it seems to be, as well as satirizing this authoritarian world, it's also satirizing masculinity. These men who think they can fix the world just by kissing everybody. <laughs> Um, oh God! You know that their kind, his kind of assumed superiority. Because you see, you've got these two men. One of them is a scientist; he's very serious. The other one appears to have mainly done the experiment for the money, and he's much more of a player. He smuggled booze and alcohol in his uh, hibernation pod and all this kind of thing. And he really thinks that he's God's gift to women. Mm. Um, and that, and he falls on his ass a few times. Like he's, it doesn't work. Like he, he doesn't just woo and charm all these women because of how great he is so i think i think you could argue that they are just as much uh the bump the the butt of the joke yeah uh totally um and that guy the guy who's the player is so like he's i don't want to be unkind but he's not your typical <laughs> uh, assumption of a romantic lead and he's kind no. of like a bit pathetic <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, it's and after, actually in sex comedies a lot of the time you find that male characters are constantly made to look inadequate and feel inadequate mm -hmm. and be inadequate. Um, like there are lots of moments in this film where uh, you know that scientist is is over explaining things to women or thinking that he's God's gift and getting undermined mm -hmm. or beaten up. <laughs> so, yeah. There definitely is that element. Um, yeah. But and they uh, also the, the men are also filmed naked it's not yeah they well so to a point um so the the sort of the nudity in the film is fairly equally spread i wouldn't say it's so equally not, spread not but, well, um because there's only there's only two guys and lots of women yeah but, uh 
but there's a great scene when they're just in the shower and it's filmed in this kind of very voyeuristic way and it's being watched on video by some of the women um and and yeah so they they're not they're just as much of well okay not just as much but they are certainly <laughs> part of that kind of view as well as the would way you like a shovel adrian i know <laughs> This is what I've been worried about the whole time is that I'm just going to dig myself into a big hole. But no, it's um I do kind of agree with you that it's not really meant to be mean towards women. It's not particularly kind of if it's anti-feminist it doesn't have teeth. Uh mm. it's uh largely kind of the director wants to um yeah, discuss or kind of, you know, it's meant to be a sort of 1984 style political satire, right? Um, that's kind of the aim and it's also meant to be a homage to everything Kubrick because clearly just from my sense of watching this film is that the director is a massive fan of uh, Kubrick Mm. and has built that into the film Um, there's like elements of Doctor Strangelove in there um, very much so yeah yeah, it's kind of trying to be more of a political satire yeah and there's obviously sort of 2001 the the sort of look of the film once they get into the futuristic uh, underground world um i should probably just briefly explain so you know, so once they get woken up and that's when they discover that this society is ruled by women but also there was a war so they've slept through a war when this um this thing this scientist who invented this the hibernation technique then invented a chromosome bomb called the m bomb which would kill the male chromosome. Why somebody? It's would not explained that. why he did that no. and why people people generally accepted that that was yeah. fine. So so this bomb has gone off and all the men have died. But then there's the the side effect has been radiation and the earth has been it's just this irradiated wasteland. So they all live underground now in this uh, mine that's been converted and it's it is a really futuristic looking very very low budget but still very futuristic looking um city and i love i love the visual design of the film how they were able to build all this stuff in in this little studio uh out in the middle of nowhere in poland and there's also some use of miniatures to make the world seem bigger than obviously what they could what they could pull off some of the time the sets just look like they've got a load of black bin bags and stuck them to a wall i'd be interested to know what the budget was (laughs) yeah not much i don't think uh i mean the so the director um i'm really worried about all the names i'm going to get wrong so the director is julius machulski and he had made some other films before this but he was still relatively young at the time i think he's only in his early 30s um and so yeah i think it was fairly low budget and but i yeah what they did with it and again that's one of the things that's great about sci-fi is that you can shoot things on quite a low budget but Mm. if it's a high concept you can sort of you could get away with it but i do think we should really like explain the plot because i don't Mm. think many people are gonna be able to find it um or can is it available like so it's on blu-ray so i bought it's a it's on blu-ray from poland which because the internet is quite easy to navigate it's not that difficult to buy if you wanted to get it i highly recommend it Mm. Uh, <laughs> just a bit, it is just, an experience because it's yeah i just think it's really fascinating again with all this when you think about the context of when this film was made where it was made and i really love films that are constantly just you know where you're watching a film and your jaw just kind of drops when you can't believe 
that they actually did that. You know, particularly, I don't know if we want to give full spoilers, but the closing shot of this film. I've never seen that before. I know. You don't, you don't see many, <laughs> many um, films where the closing no. shot of the film is that. Yes. And and that's that's something that's stuck in my head for yeah let's not spoil it because let's let people yeah. let's let people experience that for themselves <laughs> yes, exactly <laughs> i agree but yeah so i just that's you know, it's things like that where you can't believe that they did this and got away with it and that's what i love about your know, films like this mm. so even if there may be elements that are problematic and i'm not going to try and defend it entirely but i still think it's so interesting well, from a modern perspective uh, even yeah. actually you know from a mid-80s perspective <laughs> yeah and there are, there are definitely bits of it that feel like it could have been a sketch on the benny hill show yeah uh, there's like yeah comedy noises in places which i could could have yeah. done without really could have done without those <laughs> um like the boing noises like it's not nece- it's not necessary. there's a lot of women on roller skates uh, um, and yeah. stuff like that it's sort of very sort of typical choices this this is this is what we, yeah just you know this is sort of typical what will it look like in the future well all the girls will be on roller skates and walking at walking around topless quite a lot but and all that sort of stuff i think the the sort of um women being topless like doing sports there's a kind of uh they're kind of the two scientists are underground and they're watching the telly they're locked in their kind of chamber they're being dehibernated and they're watching telly and there's women doing sort of sports playing football and swapping their shirts there's an idea of asexuality there because if there's Mm. no men then there's um no reason to be uh hide the female form (laughs) so there's a kind of it's meant to be sort of asexual but then the men are quite titillated by it but they and also it's revealed that the women are all constantly being made to take these pills and the pills um repress their sexual urges and turn it into a desire to work that i mean that that, that is pretty anti-feminist yeah so this is (laughs) this is how the, the the ruling elite of this world are controlling the women in this mm. underground thing they're they're making them basically medicated so that any sexual desires that they may have had become career ambitions yeah become career ambition and i bet also because the women most of these women have never seen a man and there's a great scene later on well I, again i use the word great loosely there is a scene <laughs> there's a significant scene when the guys have escaped and they're in a lift and this lift keeps stopping at different floors and one of the floors it stops at is a swimming pool and there's a woman who just gets into the lift, strips off completely naked in front of them, and then gets out and gets straight into the water. And another woman talks to them, and they keep calling them sisters. They just assume that these men are women because they don't know what men are. There's there's no kind of recognition that there is any need to worry about nudity because everybody is the same. Yeah, that was a kind of interesting point that, yeah, nobody's seen a man, so obviously they're just taken to be yeah. women, and they can kind of disguise themselves that way. Yeah. Yeah, so we we have this kind of this scenario: thousands of women trapped underground, and um, there's this lie. So there's the kind of state system: uh, the mm-hmm. women are medicated, and there's this sort of lie that the surface has been radi- irradiated, and maybe at some mm-hmm. point it was, but. Um, in fact, uh, I mean, that's kind of a big spoiler, but things may not be kind of as they seem. Yeah. So everybody's being fed this lie and being medicated. And then these two guys come along and they sort of expose the lie. And yeah. one of the ways they do this is that, you know, they're guys and they they basically reawaken sexuality, heterosexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by trying to kiss as many women as they can. 
Um, and the first time this happens, uh, the sort of player scientist, the kind of vaguely pathetic mm. one, kisses one of the guards and she suddenly starts to kind of have sexual fantasies and she's like, what's going on? So she she's really interesting. So her character is called Lamia and she originally, the movie was going to be called Lamia. That was the original title, yeah. apparently. Uh, and it was it's kind of, it's almost, although we've got these two guys, La, it's kind of Lamia's story. She is the one who she she so she works in this department there's two main departments it seems as well they're all scientists but you, well you've got archaeo which are the archaeologists and then you've got the uh, genetics people and there's this tension between the two groups so she's found these guys and, and, and woken them up so they're her property and she's writing a thesis on them and she's always talking about her degrees and how well educated she is but the genetics people want to do experiments on these guys uh and she's trying to stop them from being experimented on by saying, well, let's just have them naturalized, meaning let's give them drugs and turn them into into women. But yeah, so Lamia, she is the one who starts to be, it's like she starts to wake up from the lie because her world has been disrupted by these men coming into it. And obviously then, uh, what's his name, Maximilian, hmm. uh, kiss, kisses her and she starts to kind of, She's never had human contact like that before. Because also they all wear gloves as well. It's a very kind of non-tactile it's, Yeah, world. they're not meant to sense... Yeah. It's not sensory, this Which world. again, you know, I hate to, to, to bring this up, but in, in this day and age where we're all afraid to touch anything that's been touched by somebody else or touch each other, and it seemed it seemed eerily, uh, eerily prescient. We don't live underground, though, on the surface. It hasn't been irradiated, and men do My, exist. My son hate my son hates me saying that. Whenever we're watching a film and I go, Oh, that's a bit light now, he, he wants to punch me. Um but anyway, that struck me as being quite funny. But yeah, so they they don't they're not allowed physical contact and and obviously they're taking these drugs to repress any sense of sexuality. So Lamia starts to wake up and that's when she starts to question what's going on. She starts to do her research. She wants to go and talk to the oldest woman in the society who remembers what men were like. And she goes to visit this old woman, and that's when they watch this video of the naked men in the shower. Yeah. And this old woman is really excited by this because she remembers what men were like. And she's trying to explain, basically, it's um, Lamia says, what is the purpose of men? Because yeah. that the lie is so profound that people have yeah. forgotten history in its entirety. So this mm -hmm. society of women believe that every aspect of human history was female um mm. one of the great quotes in the film and i think people often quote this who are fans of the film is einstein was a man um because uh or woman, woman. well einstein was a woman sorry yes um because uh yeah they they think all the kind of all the scientists in history were women everyone who's ever discovered anything was a woman which is yeah and again that sort of has echoes of of 1984 and the totalitarian regimes rewriting their histories to suit their ideology and yeah. that's exactly what these what this society but, has done they've yeah, I mean, the rewritten is, history it's been so rewritten that nobody actually remembers what men did or what they were for mm. so yeah lamia yeah. is like well, what is the purpose of men what did you use them a, for for for, uh, for entertainment and she's like oh we've got tv for that now um <laughs> uh but yeah the the lack of sort of sensing in the society kind of extends to like the food so people don't eat food anymore it's all synthetic mm. um so yeah she uh, lamia takes this jar of jam to this old lady and the old lady's not tasted it for like you know um 
decades and decades, 50 years or something. Um, so it's like the sensory awakening is kind of happening. Um, mm. And then when we sort of, she sees images of the men on the TV, um, the old lady kind of gets really excited and goes, oh my yeah. God, yeah, this, uh, you know, this is great. Um, yeah. This reminds me of my, my fiance that I had back in the day. Mm. And then she has to explain what a fiance is. Yeah. That's and that's the scene where you see this this um, very lingering the camera very lingering over their bodies in the in the shower. Which something I wanted to mention in general was the cinematography. I don't know if you noticed this, but I did, it only really struck me when I watched it again. Um, the cinematography is very odd. The way that it's everything is lit and it seems to all been shot through gauze or something. Like every when you see a light yeah. on the screen. There's this huge sort of bokeh effect. It's like the lens has been smeared with Vaseline. Yeah, it's really odd. And so you get quite interesting lighting effects. And so in that shower sequence, it it looks like something from a porn film in the way that it's the camera is kind of panning in slow motion up and down their wet bodies and the light is all glistening off them. And um, but that the whole film is shot like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there are equal amounts of nudity, but I do think that there's um, this idea of like, uh, rediscovering the mm-hmm. yeah rediscovering sexuality and rediscovering yeah. gender and how gender there's, interacts is kind of interesting i mean there's certainly yeah there's cer- i would say there's certainly objectification on both sides but there is there is full frontal female nudity in this film but not full frontal male nudity um that might but, be a censor thing yeah uh, like maybe possibly. that would i don't know although well I said that there is some full front, frontal male nudity. Oh, but we don't want to go. <laughs> we don't need to go into that. Let's not go into that. But um, um, but yeah, it's I've been again a little bit like when we did um, Shogun Assassin. I have been worrying about what you would think of this film when we finally when we finally did it because it could go kind of either way. Uh, this this could be the most offensive film that anyone has ever seen, or. Like I I, wa- I watch a lot of cult cinema and study yeah. a lot of like low budget kind of sex films, horror films, and have I mean I'm not kind of offended by something <laughs> out of context <laughs> that that was doing a particular thing at the time. Mm. Um, so, uh, but I mean my thoughts on the film aren't related to like it's more about the artfulness of it or lack thereof. Um, mm. When it comes to sort of the context in terms of the political context and the place that it holds in Polish cinema. I can't really talk that much about that. And there's probably a lot of references in the film that kind of passed me by. Um, But there are also kind of elements of it that seem quite unsubtle. And I'm not just talking about the sex stuff, I'm talking about the political stuff. I mean, it feels really heavy handed. Mm -hmm. And I just think, yeah, a bit more, I would have liked to come to it with a bit more room for interpretation, but it feels like everything is kind of laid out. Um, And that was kind of, if I had, if I had one main issue with it, that would be the main issue, to be honest. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah, it does. It does lay it on pretty thick. Um, And you can sort of see why it must have been really interesting for audiences at the time. And perhaps this is something we can talk about with Michael, but to have this very obviously anti-authoritarian film being screened in an authoritarian country, 
I can't quite get my head around what that must have been like for audiences. Yeah, and I'm really keen to talk to Michael about that and also mm. um, just ask why this film is, uh, I mean, it's been so popular. Uh, loads of people in Poland know about this film. People elsewhere yes. don't really know about it at all. Um, and there was just... even There's even a video game based on this film. Seriously? Yeah, back in, back in the 90s. Uh, but I was reading that in... <laughs> Was it in the late 80s? There were kind of, you know, those best of film lists that people do. What are the What is the best film of all time? Polish mm. audiences were polled on the best films of all time. And in three separate polls, they chose Sex Mission. And okay. this was massively surprising because it wasn't considered to be a critical success. But audiences consistently kind of seem to have to love it. People people reference it all the time in Poland. It's, it's kind of part of Polish culture. Yeah. Um, so when you think about Polish film, we think about the more art house stuff. You know, I mean, no one's... You know, we've not even you, know, you think like Kislowski and and Jerry Skolomowski and all these kind of guys, but yeah, I can I can see certain critics being disappointed that Sex Mission might come top of a list and not <laughs> not a short story about killing or something like yeah. that. But, I mean, that just you know, popular popular films. What you can what can you do? Uh, but so I'm so I as I mentioned, it was shown on Channel Four, which I know you've done a lot more research in that area than me i i had the suspicion that this was shown as part of their red triangle thing um, but then i looked i looked it up and it wasn't i think the red triangle was earlier yeah i think that was earlier uh but channel 4 did screen a lot of weird and wacky stuff from all around the world as part mm. of their sort of international film strands uh mm. so there's loads and loads of stuff actually the cultural legacy of channel 4 and those late night films in the 80s and early 90s is such that there is just tons of stuff that British people only know about because they watched, they tuned into Channel 4 at 10 yeah. o'clock when they were 13 and were like, oh. I know. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's it. <laughs> I was exactly the right age to be. And I mean, I've always sought out, even for as long as I can remember, I've always sought out weird and weird films that no one else has ever heard of, you know. And I would be taping stuff uh, on video back in the eighties, and you know, late night horror films and stuff that my friends weren't generally into. And so, for there to be a film called Sex Mission, which is a Polish sci-fi, for a fifteen-year-old who's into weird films, that ticks a lot of boxes. Yeah, I mean, when I read the synopsis, I thought this is very intriguing. Um, so I'm glad you suggested it. I'm glad I've had a chance yeah. to see it. <laughs> uh, I tend to look out. I mean, I like. I like kind of searching out very weird stuff. I like what it tells us about the hidden things that films like this can tell us about politics and culture mm. that we wouldn't normally know about because, um, you know, film the film canon is, is curated over the years in certain ways and we have ideas of what's rated and what's not. Um, but sometimes when you dig beneath it, you can find really surprising things. Mm -hmm. uh, I also love films like this just because they're often so... Um, well, shoddy is like they're often low budget. They're often a bit kind of done off the cuff. They're they're kind yeah. of not technically amazing. But there's also always bits in films like these or in you know bad film um, where uh, there is um, a sense of like an amazing kind of shot or an amazing sequence or a genuinely mm -hmm. a series of genuinely creative choices. Yeah. Um, and the thing about kind of cult cinema or I don't know. I don't know if I wanted to use the term bad film, but schlocky stuff is that, yeah. um, you know, when you watch stuff like this, your technical, technical kind of badness or things that are at variant with the norm in film are really noticeable. Like you notice it when a shot is slightly wrong because you're so mm -hmm. 
indoctrinated into how media and film works like it's the air that we breathe as we grow up mm. so yeah you really notice a weird shot but you also really notice like a really cool shot in films yeah. like this i don't know if that makes sense yeah, so yeah, there's a kind of there's a sense of really engaging with the nature of what film is technically mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. sex mission kind of has interesting like elements of that mm. yeah you can see them really sort of stretching their the limitations of their budget and just trying to be really imaginative in terms of how can we make this look like the future and there are just really weird little things that I liked, like when the so there's a point where the sort of the the police or whatever they are, the guards, they have to go and find these guys because they've escaped. And there's this great sequence where you're seeing all these women in their helmets and their their very um, sort of SS styled black uniforms, and um, they're running after these guys. And then they, there's a bit where they all jump onto this big slide, and they're kind of going down the the funhouse slide that you'd get at a fun fair to get to this craft that then's going to drive. And it's, it's all that kind of, it reminded me a little bit of um, UFO or Space 1999 mm. in, in the way that they were doing that. And uh, there's another bit when you just see a wide shot of a, of a sort of city area and women are just sitting on these little um, swings, just gradually moving across the top of the screen like that's their way of getting around is to to be transported. Yeah, the imagination of it is really interesting. Um, And I think it's quite well, it is very well made, even just down to little things like things are seeded quite early on. Like we see when they first manage to get out of their rooms, we see a bucket and a mop just randomly in a corridor. And then later on in the film when they escape, one of the guys gets his foot stuck in a bucket and there's a comedy, you know, yeah, hilarious comedy Charlie, noise. Charlie Chaplin style <laughs> comedy as he runs down the corridor, you know, but but that's only funny because we've seen the bucket about half an hour earlier. Yeah. So there's there's a certain level of sophistication, even if the jokes themselves are pretty broad, for the most part. So you mentioned earlier in the recording the um, monthly film bulletin review and it's interesting the two the two sort of opposing reviews um i mean i already mentioned that the time out one saying it was misogynist and then monthly film bulletin which was another british publication they say they're quite negative about the film surprise surprise <laughs> yeah but it's not funny um and that if it's a satire of if you're supposed to look at it as an allegory of the polish state then it, as a joke, it says, as a joke, it must be in very poor taste. And to a woman, it is simply contemptible, which I, 
that's fair enough. I'm not going to try and I'm not going to try and defend that. But then they start talking about whether if you're viewing it as a sex comedy, it still doesn't really add up. It says um, the sex mission is a carry on without Kenneth Williams, which I thought was quite funny. And I could just yeah. imagine Kenneth Williams in this film. But yeah, so they they call they basically are very negative and end with it saying that it's offensive, which again I can totally appreciate that, and particularly when this you know, this review is published in 1985, and that I yeah I think that's fair enough. But it's in, it's an interesting comparison with the Variety review from summer of 1984, which is far more positive. Okay, well give us some. Um... Yeah, some highlights from the variety review. Yeah, well, it's so it mainly it's sort of a plot summary, but it says the jokes begin right away as lovely, enticing young ladies happen on the scene to watch over them and monitor their every wish. And then it talks about Maximilian being a woman chaser and having a lot to learn. But then so it closes by saying the uh, although not up to the standards of those quality Polish picks of the late 1970s, Sex Mission is nonetheless the best pick to emerge from the Warsaw Studios over the past season. Is is that a really backhanded insult to the Warsaw Studios of that year? <laughs> well, I mean, we'd have to watch more films from Poland in 1984, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose sure. we would, yeah. Um, which I'm not necessarily sure I want to do just yet. But yeah, but so definitely it received a mixed response and perhaps the comedy was far more appreciated in in Poland than it would appear to be outside of Poland. And yeah, the comparisons with this is you could see this as a sort of science fiction carry on film. Did ca- the carry on team didn't do a science fiction film, did they? No, I would imagine. That's weird. It's weird that they be, didn't. Um... Yeah, I just think it was probably more unless they could have got onto a set of an existing carry on uh, as an existing sci-fi film like they did with carry on cleo uh sci-fi is more they whereas they could all they've got to do is put some sand in a car park at pinewood and they can do carry on abroad for for about 50p whereas sci-fi requires a bit more of budget i suppose but yeah it's um yeah they so the 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 monthly film bulletin review is finding the whole thing quite offensive in the way that it takes these men to come in to kind of wake up Lamia from her slumber and help her to realise through through their masculinity that the world does need men after all. It's like, I mean, it's a very heterosexual film. Yeah. Like, okay, so sex, sex and sexual desire have been eliminated and yeah. we do see scenes... There's kind of this moment where the scientists end up going like further underground and they discover this bunch of people who are like hedonists. So mm. they're living outside society. Yeah, and there's so they're, women they're not like, taking the drugs. Yeah, they're not taking the drugs. And there's people kissing and, um, you know, dancing and they're all women. Mm. So there's nods to, uh, you know, other like a range of sexualities. But mm. there's a kind of assumption that, yeah, all, this, all women need are men. <laughs> like we we just need um basically the timeout review says where is it here we go um machulski's comic strip fantasy may be intended as a withering satire on any form of authoritarianism quite frankly it fails partly due to a stance that may easily be interpreted as extremely misogynistic 
that these futuristic femmes, all these futuristic femmes need is a good hetero fuck, etc, etc. <laughs> and partly because it simply isn't funny. Mm. Um, so all you need is a good hetero fuck. Which I guess, well, I guess you can kind of read it that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you certainly can. But I, again, I, I think that the it's the anti-communist satire that is really where its heart is at. Mm. I think. Okay, so I'd like to welcome to the podcast Michael Aleschik. I'm, I hope I'm saying that right. Perfect. I, I'm I'm surprised because usually it gets mangled. But thank you so much. <laughs> and Michael teaches film at the Liberal Arts Department um, at the University of Warsaw, and he also writes for Cineast and RogerEbert.com. You can find him also on Twitter, uh, talking about film and all of that sort of thing. Um, so Michael, thank you for coming on to Second Features. Now we've just been talking about Sex Mission, a okay. film that was my idea to watch. Laura was unfamiliar with this movie. I was on board with it though. Yeah. After I um, read the Wikipedia synopsis and thought that sounds fascinating. Yeah. So so I, this is a film that I was aware of and I, and you know I really like, but I know very little about it and its its kind of cultural and historical context. And so we were hoping that you might be able to fill in some of the gaps for us with this movie. Uh, mm. I mean, I understand that it's just hugely popular in Poland. So maybe we can start with that. Is that true? And if so, why do you think it's so popular? Mm -hmm. Well, for, thanks. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a real pleasure. And, uh, and I was so surprised when actually you approached me about this particular film because, uh, you know, it seems uh, to me I was born in 1982, so basically two years before this movie hit the Polish screens. It seems to me such a purely Polish phenomenon and, and, and very insular artifact <laughs> of, 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 you know, late communist culture uh, that, that it's, uh, it never ceases to amaze me when someone discovers this movie from the outside world, let's say, uh, outside of the East, former Eastern, Eastern Bloc. So I was, I was surprised, and, uh, and, and, but I'm very happy to talk, talk about it. I, I think it's a film uh, that's uh, very entertaining. I think it's all, also very problematic, especially in today's culture, and we can discuss that as well. But yeah, uh, to answer your question, this is a hugely popular, it's been a hugely popular film in, in Poland and uh, and also in, in Eastern Bloc generally. I, I know that, for example, in Soviet Russia, right after it opened, although it was called something different because they they couldn't use the word the word sex in the title so they retitled the film for the Soviet Union as New Amazons and it won I think some sort of a popular poll for the best movie of the year but 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 really what I want to stress is that this is something more than just a popular movie it's it's a pop cultural phenomenon it's a film that's been playing on Polish TV for years a film that people quote from memory a film that's you know some lines from the film are are highly quotable and are being quoted very often 
and it's a shorthand. It's a cultural shorthand, you know, sex misia for, for this sort of, you know, let's say anti-totalitarian comedy sci-fi that the film represents. So it is, you know, I grew up in, in, a, in, a, in, in a world in which this movie was a constant point of reference. So, and then I haven't seen it in, in a number of years. So I rewatched it specifically for this podcast, which was an interesting, you know, experience. Uh, but yes, this was a big hit. It opened in the symbolic year 1984, the Orwellian year. And it uh, grossed uh, an amazing amount of money. I think that around 14 million Polish people saw this movie when it opened. And if you remember that, that this is a country of roughly around 40 million people, then, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it, it, it's basically a, a box office result that's impossible to recreate today. There, that is phenomenal. Um, it's kind of explaining to me when I read, I read uh, these, there was like these polls, you know, best film, what is the best film polls from Poland in the 80s? Three of them were, you know, uh, basically Sex Mission came top of popular film polls in the 1980s. And I watched the film, I couldn't really make sense of uh, why, but the, not because it's especially bad, but just because a cult sex comedy generally doesn't end up being <laughs> top of best film polls. Uh, but this is starting to make a lot of sense what you're telling us i think because i wasn't aware of how popular it was um, it, it, is. it is it still is and uh, i mean obviously there are so many topics here that could be approached but uh, i think it, it's it's key to remember that the movie opened right after the martial law was uh, actually ended in Poland because martial law begins late 1891. It ends in July, 1983. So, and still, of course, 1980s is a very bleak decade in Poland. It's really bleak in terms of political persecution, in terms of real shortages of everything, which actually you can even see in the film because it's made, you know, on such a shoestring budget. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but, you know, people were so depressed in so many ways in the 80s that this movie, with its cl very clear Orwellian edge, uh, definitely spoke to people uh, that were still under the totalitarian regime. So here, this sort of anarchic energy, you know, of this totalitarian state of women being dismantled, it was a clear, you know, some sort of a metaphor for the communist state at that time. So for people, it was also a subversive act to laugh at the bureaucracy at the film, you know, depicted the film. So. And were there kind of censorship issues? Because, uh, yeah, I haven't really been able to find much out about the mm -hmm. time of release. Yeah, well, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, you can be still, I think, surprised by the amount of nudity in the film, which wouldn't be allowed, I think, in a PG rated American film of that period. You know, no. all those, you know, uh, naked breasts and- Especially you know, not the last shot. <laughs> yes, and that's, this is probably the only film in the history of the world which ends on a prolonged yeah, we, freeze-frame of a penis. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we were going to leave it a secret, but I think we might just keep that in. <laughs> no, it's, I, I cannot imagine. I mean, it's some of like a Warholian experiment. You know, I think that only Andy Warhol could, could end his film like that. It's, but, uh, yeah. It's startling. It's startling. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of nudity in the film, uh, full frontal female nudity, uh, for example. So, uh, but the, the, the issue here is to remember that uh, throughout the 80s, 
the censorship in Poland, when it came to sexual stuff, it actually became much more relaxed. Uh, that was a time which was so politically fraught that it was thought that, you know, if movies become a little bit more erotic, <laughs> then, you know, people may be, you know, lured to forget about the political troubles. You wouldn't have this kind of nudity in a 1970s Polish comedy. I mean... You would have it in a British comedy of the 70s because I think we try to get people to go to the cinema by putting lots of breasts on the, on the screen, you know? Um, but I was actually wondering if it, the censorship related to the um, subversive criticism of the re, you know this regime. Rather, I wasn't really thinking about nudity, but actually, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I can see your point. Yeah, there's a lot of nudity. Right. Um, but were people, uh, was there a sense that this was just like, I don't know, maybe catharsis, I guess? Yeah, there was this cathartic element and, you know, Polish, you have to remember that in the 80s, Polish filmmakers have been already in their fourth decade of playing a very elaborate game with the censorship, you know, and they knew how to do it, you know, how to sort of, uh, you know, smuggle uh, subversive ideas into films. Uh, one usual ruse was to, you know, to, to, to include too many political jokes in a film with a, with, a, with, a, with a certainty that at some point the censor will cut some of them, but that <laughs> many of them will remain. And I think that was also an idea uh, here. And of course the sci-fi milieu makes it all much more uh, clever because, you know, it's not our world, you know, it's yeah. 100 years from now or 57 yeah. years from now. So that was also, I think that that served as a, a sort of, you know, pacifier for, for the censorship. That's a great point about sci-fi because mm. sci-fi often we find critiques of totalitarian regimes in that genre precisely for that reason. It's a fantasy, mm. guys. Mm. <laughs> not our world, only, only we yes. know this, right? <laughs> Yeah. Mm. I've seen some comments where the film was criticised as being anti-feminist, mm -hmm. and this was something that um, that the director I think got quite cross about. Um, Julius Machulski stated that it was wasn't anti-feminist; that it was obviously more about uh, satirising communism. But but what what is your take on that? And was that ever an issue? Has that ever been an issue for the film? over the last 30 odd it, years. It's, it's a growing issue for the film. I think, especially for today's young audiences, uh, it's, it's quite clear that there are some anti-feminist uh, jabs, you know, in the film. And uh, I wouldn't deny that. I mean, uh, you know, Machulski can, can, can deny it, but, but I, I cannot deny it when I see it. There are some jokes that are very clearly have this sort of uh, sexist underpinning uh, and even some lines that that you know when when examined closely they are quite blatantly uh, sexist like for example when 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 uh, i think it's max who congratulates um, uh, you know lamia uh, on the first manly decision that she ever made in her life when she <laughs> <laughs> so there are, there are some uh, some of it i think it's inadvertent some of it's it's actually quite blatant Mm. I think that, yes, ultimately the film is about totalitarianism. I think ultimately it's not an anti-feminist satire. But, you know, uh, when you enter this uh, field, you know, of, 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 let's say, what used to be called the battle of the sexes, right? I don't, I don't even know if that's still um, a concept. But, but, but then, then you enter quite a fraught territory. And I would say that the movie has some missteps uh, mm. in that area. But, but overall... Um, 
I think lots of the humor is actually quite clever and actually at least, you know, pinpoints some cultural tensions around masculinity. You know, the men are also presented in quite a satirical way in, in it uh, and about femininity. However, I, I have no idea how this film would play, let's say, to a millennial audience uh, mm -hmm. today, uh, because I, I think that there will be many scenes that will be found obje objectionable. Yeah, I mean, the, the scene that comes to mind for me is when they're trying to find out what the password is to get out uh -huh. and and nobody knows the password. And eventually Max screams something quite obscene in frustration. And that turns out to be the password to get out. Yes. However, <laughs> you need to know, and this may be a bit of cultural uh, you know, trivia, is that what he screams is the most the popular Polish swear word. Uh, oh, like, is that kurva? Yes, exactly, exactly. I like that word. <laughs> it's basically the Polish uh, equivalent of, of the F word, which we oh. use quite liberally and, uh, and uh, you know, to great oh, effect. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's basically, you know, the joke is that, you know, the password is the, the most common swear word in Polish language. That's, the, the... That's interesting because the British subtitles add ah. a bit more to that. Uh-huh. And, well, the, uh, the swear word becomes... has an anti, you know, it, because it means a whore, basically. The, right. the, the very swear word means okay. whore. So once translated, it can, but, but you know, it's, it's been like dissociated from its original meaning because mm -hmm. it's, it's like the F word. I don't, I don't know how many people think about sex when they speak the F word, you know, it's like with the K word in Polish, when we speak it, we don't really think about sex workers you know we, it's just this word you know to to vent your anger so but yeah it's it's the word that's used as the possible oh, okay yeah um, for me it's quite it was quite shocking that moment in the was it in the, oh, I, bless I, you, I find Adrian. that I just, <laughs> it's just another one of not because i'm sensitive to bad words particularly but just more again it's another mo there's quite a few moments in this film that surprise me that mm -hmm that they would be that bold, you know, like they would really go there. Obviously, we've already mentioned the ending shot, which is, which is, which is quite breathtaking. Yeah, that surprised me, actually. Um, none, of the none of the rest of it really but, did. Yeah. <laughs> but that whole password bit is another one where I just can't quite believe they, uh, they went there. <laughs> right, right. Oh, <clears throat> I used to really like that word because I like spent some time in Poland uh, 10, 12 years ago with a university friend who and he taught me all the words and some phrases and that was one of them and everyone would everyone was saying it and it was one of my favorite swear words it's usually, <laughs> it's usually the very first polish word yeah that's exactly it. that's exactly it. wow so so what do you think is the you know obviously we've talked about how popular this film is and remains um mm -hmm. what would you say is the legacy of sex mission Mm. You know, there are other obviously there are other Polish um, science fiction films and there is a quite a thriving Polish film industry but where does this film sort of sit within that do you think? Well it's 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 like a perennial classic that's for sure because it's it's a, it's a point of reference it's a film that most people love um, I would say that it also represents and I think it's also the key to, to its appeal in some way even if it's not conscious it, that it, you know, the movie constituted a, 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 an act of resilience, of, of, of imagination. You know, really, they, they had no money at all. <laughs> this movie was made on such a small budget. Mm -hmm. It was big, a big leap of faith to make a science fiction movie in 1980s Poland, which, 
you know, you can tell that, you know, the, the, the stuff they used for the decoration is basically some, some, some garbage. <laughs> yeah. But, 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 but uh, uh, Janusz Sosnowski, who was the art director for the film, I think he did an incredible job with so little that he mm. had, you know. And, and you can also say, uh, tell, and this is, I think, the, the real key to success, is that Makulski really showed his directorial talent in the film. It has a good pace, you know, it, the, the movie has, a, has an energy, it has a humor. It, you can also tell that he's a cinephile. Uh, there's, uh, there are obvious nods to Kubrick, because mm -hmm. the opening, you know, with the guy on the, the Kupelweiser, Dr. Kupelweiser on, on, the, on the wheel, in the wheelchair, he's obviously Dr. Strangelove. Mm -hmm. And uh, and yes, Machulski is was a big fan of 2001, the Kubrick film, and the, the movie's original title was 2044, uh, something an Odyssey, the working a title. sex Odyssey. Sex Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he he knew you know he wanted to pay a tribute to a genre that he loved uh, in a country that didn't have the resources to do it, whatever he lacked in budget. He, uh, you know, recompensed uh, uh, for in, in, in energy, in filmmaking energy. Uh, so this compensates, I think, you know, the, the obvious shortcomings and the funny makeup. And uh, uh, um, by the way, I, I just wanted to say that I, I think what's really most sexist about the film is the, the, uh, the, the outfits, you know, because it's, it's a strange world of women who are all, you know, wearing those very you know tight which you know if it was an actual world of women mm -hmm. then there would be very long flowing outfits with large pockets yeah, because <laughs> this is the what the outfit would be yeah. <laughs> and here you can tell that there's something this male eye that, appa that apparently you know looks at them at all times and uh, yeah you know and the you know the swimming suits <laughs> it's 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 a male fantasy it's a heterosexual male fantasy mm. in many ways mm. but uh but yeah I, I you know you cannot deny that there's spirit to the film you know there's some energy there's there's a joy of, of mm. i mean it was like it was sexist at the time because obviously and you can also read this in the, some of the reviews I, I kind of have found of the film um but on the other hand i think you know taking something taking a sex film from the 70s or 80s to task uh mm. for being sexist is like criticizing a sexist granddad who died 30 years ago it's like we know it's sexist it's an interesting entry into the discourse of the era if anything yeah. into the sexism of the time <laughs> it plays differently today but I mean, there's a lot going on try, try playing uh, try playing benny hill today you know, or, <laughs> you know and see how he chases those women around london <sighs> <laughs> or try try playing the carry on comedies, you know that, that, that there was plenty of sex. I have tried, yeah. I'm, I'm, I teach yeah. British cinema, so sometimes I have to. So it, yeah. it's it's a, <laughs> it's a it's a product of its time, uh, but um, but also I, I think that also it, it actually you know expresses some tensions that are still circulating in the culture. You know, it's mm. it's not it's not a dumb movie. You know, I think it's a it's actually quite an intelligent movie, which sometimes reveals some uh, some some prejudice and some some you know some uh, sexist streak in this culture i mean that is what is interesting i think i think film yeah. that is very out of it's that seems very you know alien from today can introduce can kind of familiarize us with the discourses of a culture that we are unfamiliar with now 
Absolutely. And with these tensions. Mm. I think this is this is using film as a historic art artifact in a way, as a source. <laughs> you can kind of do that. Um, it's like, like a moth in amber, right? Like a mosquito yeah. in amber. <laughs> you can see, oh, so this is what what culture was then. And uh, and yeah, yeah. I, it's 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 fascinating. It's an artifact, but uh, also I, I you know the performances. I think uh, you know Jerzy Stur and Olga Dukasiewicz as, as the guys, and uh, mm, and the whole female cast is actually quite excellent. You know, I, I mm. like especially. I mean, Bożena Strykówna, who was playing Lamia, she I, she was uh, Mahulski's wife. I think at the time they divorced later on, but but I wanted really to point out Richarda Hanin who plays Jadwiga, uh, actually Max's daughter, when mm -hmm. when she you know, when she takes revenge at the end, right, for being abandoned uh, as as an older woman. She she was an excellent Polish actress of of a. The, uh, the terrific pedigree, uh, theater actress and also film actress. And, you know, she gives a very powerful performance. And by the way, you can totally understand her anger at her father who, you know, left her mother. There's no mocking of that anger. I mean, she really, we know why she wants him killed. Mm -hmm. And I think she, that, that character is presented as fully in her right to take the revenge because she was an abandoned child. So yeah. I think that, that, that also that's important. Yeah, the, I was wondering um, how common was it at the time for filmmakers to make films that were critical of communism and of the regime? Obviously, this one we've talked about being disguised as science fiction, but was anybody else really doing that at the time? I know that uh, Machulski made King Size mm -hmm. a couple of years after this, which is also kind of anti-authoritarian mm -hmm. in its and it, as a fantasy so it's slightly sci-fi but was anybody else really doing that at the time mm -hmm. yes actually quite a lot more than you would assume because that was part of the game that many filmmakers were trying to criticize the system not necessarily i would say you know uh, uh, postulating the overthrow of the system because in the 1970s you can see films that are trying to negotiate you know like okay so what kind of a communism can we have what kind of socialism all you need to do is to see another Jerzystur film which is camera buff the Krzysztof Kieślowski film to see a film that's you know critical but also it you know it makes a point that you know maybe we can make this work and I think that after the martial law which is so brutal there, there was no no way that the, that the movie would you know with a straight face propose okay let's make this work you know no and this is the big change that after the martial law there was this feeling that you know at least in a, in a fantasy world we can present this vision of a totalitarian regime being actually destroyed you know mm -hmm. and and you know if you if you look at the last scene forgetting the last shot it's like uh, an underground, you know, like solidarity, you know, they are inseminating those because it's like, it's like underground work, you know, mm -hmm. that will bear fruit only in nine months in the future. Uh, so for solidarity activists at that time, that had to be very poignant because they were, you know, sowing the seeds for the future as well as it were, right? So, so yeah, it was like, maybe not today, but maybe tomorrow we will be free so uh, I, I find uh, you know some 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 something to admire about that actually mm. I think the the idea of repression <clears throat> stood out to me as well so this is a society where uh, sexual impulses are medicated away 
yeah. uh, everything everyone is a non non-sexual so it's you know it's there it's not really queer in that women aren't having relationships with each other um except in one moment where mm. we discover the people here are living outside society but even yes. then it's quite heterosexual like yeah. women are playing men and so forth um so yeah the whole kind of sexual repression thing um obviously i'm guessing like the lack of you can't show lesbians or gay men on screen <laughs> i'm guessing that's an issue uh, you could point at that uh, in, a, in a you know non-direct way it wasn't it was a taboo it was a taboo it mm. wasn't uh, like like an ironclad taboo but here it's very interesting that you mentioned that that, that the scene of the decadence as it's called <laughs> you know that we hear jazz music being played jazz music yeah. the height of decadence <laughs> in, the, in the 80s right where even Poland had a punk scene at that time, right? Mm. So and, and it was actually quite lively. So, but you know, like with punk going on, you are showing this decadent life, which is, you know, this jazzy 1950s beatnik, you know, commune. That's, that's I think, you know, quite quaint about the film. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, there are many, many things that, uh, you know, like, like the, the, I don't know if you noticed, there's a picture of the Pope at the beginning of the film when we are still in the present oh, yeah. on on the wall there's a picture of john paul ii which and and at some point max says something like oh who knows what the world will be in the future you know maybe we'll meet gagarin or somebody like that and it's very cl cl clear that he's talking about the pope who at that time was seen as as a political figure too right of, of someone who was challenging communism and they actually cross themselves between, but before the hibernation. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not something you see in Kubrick. You know? mm -hmm. So there are those uh, cultural signifiers that we are in a Catholic country, I think, you know. Mm -hmm. but it is a fascinating, <laughs> fascinating. <Yeah. laughs> and of course, I mean, speaking, this idea of, um, you talked about martial law and obviously the, they're led to believe that they're living underground because of radiation. But then that also turns out to be a lie, and the, as well as having, as well as being repressed through those pills, the the community is being repressed by being forced to live underground when they don't need to. It's all part. It's, it's mm. all this big lie. Their whole yeah. lives are a lie, yeah. and that that seems to be perhaps the most um, critical element of the whole thing for me. That this whole society is built on a lie. And the lie is uh, that you cannot go to the surface because there's this radiation. Mm. And they discover that there is no radiation, it's fine. Mm. And if you remember about all the lies that were being said about the West in general, right? That, you know, the West is corrupt, the West, you, you, you shouldn't want to go to the West because it's, you know, everything, uh, uh, the worst, it's the worst thing. Then, then, you know, obviously the surface is like a metaphor for the Western world. Mm. And, uh, you know, uh, for me, it's it's very clear that you know, and also the theme of propaganda, right? The TV that tells you, you know, this is the way how the world is. Actually, the world is nothing like, like the propaganda says, um, and 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 this anarchic spirit, you know, I think that was quite, you know, it was live. It was even in Macholsky's style. I mean, it's clear that he enjoys making movies, and he he even throws in something as old-fashioned as a pie fight, you know, when they are fighting mm. with the pies, it's like slapstick, like like Fatty Arbuckle, you know, <laughs> because he likes he likes movies, you know, he he's a like a move, you know, movie crazy director that really likes old films, and you can tell that 
he likes mm. them. There's something really anarchic built into like the genre of sex comedy as well. <clears throat> Just that it does seem to have kind of a kind of physical comedy, a slapstick, but also um, an anarchy of anything could happen and energy. Like actually the carry on films have that anarchic energy, even mm -hmm. though we now think of them as being quite old fashioned. That's something mm -hmm. I saw in Sex Mission as well. Um, and maybe it's no, no coincidence that it's a sex comedy that is anarchic. <laughs> don't, you, don't you love those old sex comedies? I mean, especially, I, I mean, I, you mentioned the, the, the repressiveness and, you know, the, the stereotypes, but they are really fascinating. When, when you watch like those sex farces of 1970s, mm. uh, even American films, you can tell so much about the culture just by, by, how, by how sex is being presented. What jokes can you can you make, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I recently watched a sex comedy from the 60s in, uh, with James Garner. Uh, it was uh, um, that wonderful feeling or something, something like that. There was this whole wave of those, of those sex films in the 60s. Yeah. And some of the jokes were so shocking from today's point of view, you know, regarding sexual violence, you know, like stalking and stuff. But it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, you get this, x-ray of yeah, yeah like <laughs> these films make us feel really tense um, yeah. not just because they're rude although i think like i don't care that they're rude <laughs> but it's more that the sexual politics are just like Ugh. and yeah. the way that sexual violence and things are discussed in these films from you know many decades ago it's just really it can be really horrible to watch um there is a kind of yeah so we've we've lost the um way of understanding the generic tropes of Mm. things uh but also there's a lot in there that actually like when me and adrian watched this this sex comedy called eskimo nell which i thought this is gonna be shit from 1975 british sex comedy one of the most interesting films oh. <laughs> i've actually seen because it was an aspect of the national cinema that had been lost to me mm. that we then kind of accessed and actually it wasn't really as sexist as it appeared <laughs> so it was uh very interesting um, I think these films can be really interesting. They are, they are. And uh, yeah. I don't even know what to think of some of parts of Sex Mission, to be honest. Like, you know, the, 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 the whole idea that Jerzy Stur is presented as someone who could cause a sexual awakening in the woman just by briefly kissing her and she's suddenly overwhelmed. It's <laughs> that guy causes a sexual awakening in a woman just by kissing her is the joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's that guy. Yes, yes. And the other guy is actually much more handsome. Uh, but but you know, this, and he when he blows the smoke like very sec like in a sexual it's Yeah. And his <laughs> tiny, tiny shorts. Yes. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. it's a, it's a, yeah, it's an interesting artifact. The question is, what to tell your kids today when you show them mm. this film? You know, like, yeah. what, what kind of of an introduction should you uh, be making? <laughs> That's interesting. Is this is this a film that you use that, that you teach in your in your work? I, I I I don't teach it on a regular basis, but I actually. After this podcast, I, I I'm gonna to I'm going to to return to it because you know I, I I had a bad experience of showing it once to students and you know they were quite offended actually by, by it. Uh, it wasn't part of a regular cl class though, um, but you know I I'm starting to think that yeah maybe we should teach those very controversial and you know maybe because when if we avoid discussion about them you know if we just you know put them in some 
secret stash and never approach them, then I don't think we are doing anybody any service, you know? Yeah, it's quite hard though from a lecturer perspective because they need so much contextualizing, understanding of history, discourse, the past. That if a lot of the students aren't paying attention to all of those contextualizing things, then they're just going to be like, what is this bullshit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's actually that, really hard to do that. Why does it end with a penis, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's the biggest question. i wasn't talking specifically about sex mission but just in general yeah if you're yeah. showing some old culture which just looks really weird now mm -hmm. it's really kind of out of out of time now yeah, yeah. and it just needs so much under prerequisites of understanding about what you know this is <laughs> yes yes, yes. Yeah. I agree. I agree. yeah so you get to the point when your your trigger warnings become longer than the film itself that's when you have to stop, yeah, when your yes. trigger warnings become longer than the film. <laughs> yes, yes, that's very, that's a great way of, yeah. of putting it. But, <laughs> but I mean, but I, I do believe that, that pretty much any film can be put into context. If, yes. Um, but you've just oh, got to... Oh, let's hope so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it can just be a lot of work. Um, there's <clears> what, perhaps just one last thing I wanted to ask you about, just perhaps more, uh, just more broadly, um, something that the Polish film industry is quite well known for are the amazing uh, the artwork on the posters mm. very unique and that you, you people you see collections and I've been to galleries and seen collections of Polish film posters and they are like nothing else no yes. other country does film posters like Poland and mm. I've been enjoying looking back at some of the posters for this film but they're just just in general they're always amazing why why does Poland have that tradition and why can't we all make posters like that? Mm. Yeah, it's an incredible tradition that that's unfortunately it's no longer continued. Although it's barely continued. You know, the question, the, the, the answer is very simple. That you know, the um, there was this general idea of uh, when when it comes to movies that they shouldn't be advertised by stills from the film or you know it just it, it it had to do with the communist state telling. The Western marketing agencies, we will do it our own way, right? We'll do it. We don't want your American posters, basically. So we will design our own. And that was a good time for you know graphic artists, for mm. for designers, and and yes, there were great educational centers like you know Academy in Krakow, Academy in Warsaw that tur turned out a big number of very good designers, who um, and as long as let's say the Western capitalism didn't arrive here, that tradition was alive. But then it turned out that that, you know, sexy poster of a of an actor or an actress with a photo, you know, it, it's it's a shorthand. It it doesn't need to be as refined artistically, but it does sell the film. To be honest uh, and to be perfectly clear, not all of Polish posters were amazing. There, were, there are actually some that are quite <laughs> bad. When you, there are, of course, many masterpieces of Polish posters. But, but I really, uh, uh, you know, I, I want to tell you, and I want to tell you, listeners to find out what was the Polish poster for, for the film Tutsi with uh, Dustin Hoffman. I won't tell you now, just okay. Google it and you will okay. be quite surprised. So, okay. <laughs> so it, it's, it is not a good poster, right. just, just to give you a clue. Thanks very much, Michael. Yeah. That was a great question, Adrian. I never yeah. would have thought to ask that. That was a fabulous so, answer too. <laughs> yeah, so a bit much the same in, I mean, obviously back in the, up until the mid eighties, a lot of film posters in the West were hand painted as well. But then eventually just photoshopping 
and uh, yeah. and things just kind of gradually took over here so it sounds like it's similar and the uniform you know like it's the same poster it's in the yeah. uk it's in the us it's here and this part of those you know this wonderful special quality is gone because it's one big market basically mm. hey, i want to say again i'm very grateful and i'm also excited that you dug up this little you know a gem of yeah. a film from from a forgotten era uh, so i'm very curious what the responses of your listeners will mm. be and uh, you know i think it's it, it's it's an interesting film and uh, yeah it was a pleasure to talk to you about it yeah uh, thanks Thank very much thank you for coming on thank you thank you so much So that's it for Sex Mission. Uh, I hope that you are all intrigued enough to to seek this out. You won't find it streaming online, I don't think, but um, it's worth the effort. Just well, hopefully we've made you think it's worth the effort, uh, <laughs> and then you can form your own opinion on, on the film. So I'd like to thank our guest Michael Oleszczyk uh, for coming on and enlightening us a bit more on on the film and particularly on its. Um, its legacy in, in Polish cinema. So thank you everybody for listening. Please do follow us on social media for updates as to what we're doing and uh, let us know as well on there what you think. You can also leave us reviews in all the usual places, just like every podcast always begs you to do. It does help with getting us uh, found. If they're good people. reviews, yeah. If they're good reviews. Well, at the moment, I'd take any reviews, I think. Uh, anything would be fine but um, yeah it would be interesting to uh, to hear what you think about what we're doing and of course tell your friends spread the word let's try and reach more people with our uh, film chat or whatever yeah we and call tweet it. us as well because I always like that <laughs> I like those uh, yeah we're on at second features but also um, you can tweet me I'm at Laura Jane Main and I'm at Retro Ramblings and you can also email us at secondfeaturespod at gmail.com. Uh, so, yeah, thank you, everybody, for cool. listening. Oh, what? Nothing. I was just saying oh. cool, just signing off the podcast. Oh, like. sorry. I, I <laughs> it's another smooth ending, another smooth ending yeah, for us. Classic, <laughs> classic second features ending. Thank really, you, everybody. Yeah. We really need We're to find getting... a way to segue gracefully out of these. Okay, mm. I'm, I'm stopping now. I'm shutting up. We need... We need um, somebody to write us a script okay thank you everybody for listening and uh we'll be back next month bye, bye.